The scriptures remind us to enter the gates of the Lord with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. People of God, we have come to worship and praise God. Please stand and say with me our call to worship. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens and praise him in the heights. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you high heavens and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. He established them forever and ever. He fixed their bounds, which cannot be passed. Kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and women alike, old and young together. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His glory is above earth and heaven. Friends, let's sing to together our first hymn, verses 1, 2, 3, and 5.
God, grieving that we have oftentimes squandered and abused your good and perfect gifts. Forgive us when we fail to respect and nurture your creation. Forgive us when we have failed to take seriously our responsibility for its well-being. Guide us, O God. Push us to the brink of understanding so that we will walk bravely into what we must do to repent and repair. Lead us to a place of reconciliation with our neighbor and allow us to make amends for our reckless handling of their needs. We come seeking and we are found by your forgiveness. Amen. We are now invited during this moment of silence to bring our personal confessions before the Lord. Let us pray privately. Friends, because of God's love for all of us, the sacrifice of his son and our true repentance, our sins are forgiven. Thanks be to God. May the peace of Christ be with you. As we greet one another this morning, children of the fifth grade and younger may meet their Sunday school leaders in the back of the sanctuary. Youth sixth grade and older are gathering in the youth room. Let us now greet each other with the sign of peace. Thank you for that warm greeting. It's so good to be in fellowship together today in this place, in this moment. So welcome to all of you. We're so pleased to welcome once again 
uh, our guest conductor, Daniel Moyer, who, yay! Uh, when I was handed the write-up, it said, our much beloved, but we don't know each other. So I felt it was personal. So anyway, you are much beloved. Thank you for being here. And we also welcome back our guest organist, Amber Dahlberg, our much beloved. <laughs> We're so happy to have both of you with us leading in worship. Thank you so much. I have one reminder for you today, and that is that we have begun our backpack uh, campaign. And I told you last week that we're trying to collect over 100 backpacks. I think that is easy for us to do. I just went with my granddaughters to the um, little back-to-school shopping. Those backpacks are so cute, and they are not very expensive. You cannot get just one. You will have to get two. So anyway, we bring your backpacks the next two Sundays and, or during the week, and we'll have a place for them. And let's make sure that all those kids that are that are cared for by our mission partner, Care House. Those kids who cannot afford a backpack go to school with a new backpack and it's gonna be filled with uh, school supplies and goodies from Care House. So that's my announcement for you. And now I, I invite us to turn our hearts towards the glory and the beauty that God has to offer in all of creation.
Let us pray. Creator God, you made the earth and all that is in it. We praise you that from a formless void to all that we have ever known and ever will know, you created it. After you commanded that there be light, formed the waters and the land, and brought forth vegetation, you made the birds, the beasts, and the fish. And then you made us in your image. You made it all good. We give you thanks every day, and we pray that you will strive every day to be good stewards of your creation. We ask your blessings for those who suffer in any way and are unable to enjoy your creation as you planned. Make us the hands and feet of your son, Jesus, serving those in need so that you might look at us and see that it is good. We ask all of this as we pray the words that Jesus prayed. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
God, we are grateful to you for all good gifts. You have given us the gift of this day, the gift of our fellowship together, the gift of praise and worship, the gift of all the things that have been, that all the things that are now, and all the things that are to come. And to you we give all honor and glory. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Our parts. Together, let's now read this account of creation from the book of Genesis. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. And God said, Let there be a dome in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. So God made the dome and separated the waters that were under the dome from the waters that were above the dome. And it was so. God called the dome sky. And there was evening and there was morning, the second day. And God said, Let the waters Then God said, let the earth put forth vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees of every kind on the earth that bear fruit with seed in it. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed of every kind, and trees of every kind bearing fruit with seeds in it. And God said, let there be lights in the dome of the sky to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years, and let them be lights in the dome of the sky to give light upon the earth. And it was so. God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. God set them in the dome of the sky to give light upon the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening, and there was morning, for fourth day. And God said, let the waters bring forth swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth, across the dome of the sky. So God made 
God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures of every kind, cattle and creeping things, and wild animals of the earth of every kind. And it was so. Then God said, Let us make humankind in our image, according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the wild animals of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humankind in his image, in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. God said, see, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is upon the faith of the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all their multitude. And on the seventh day God finished the work that he had done, and he rested. On the seventh day from all the work that he had done, so God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it, because on it God rested from all the work that he had done in creation. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Last weekend I was driving over to Target, and while I was stopped at a light, I happened to look over to my right, and I saw this young man who was very nicely dressed with a backpack on his back, and he had a guitar, and he was strumming the guitar, walking down the sidewalk, singing at the top of his lungs with the most wonderful, happy, satisfied smile on his face. And of course, I instantly thought, is he drunk? <laughs> what is wrong with him? And then I remembered Pentecost and how the skeptics said the same thing about those who had been filled with the Spirit, and I repented. So I gave him the thumbs-up sign, and he met my eyes, and immediately I was pulled into his joy. And every time I thought about that, all day long it made me smile.
and it was good. I was on a mission trip a few years back to India, and I recall the beauty and honestly the terribleness, the horror of my experiences there. But what stands out in my mind was when, a moment when there were five of us riding in what they call an auto rickshaw, which was made for three people. So with the driver, there were actually six of us crammed into this little three-person uh, auto rickshaw. And we were in bumper-to-bumper -bumper chaos of bicycles and motorcycles and diesel spewing trucks and cars. And the whole city was blanketed with smog and soot. And we were just in 1,972 degrees inside that little auto rickshaw, sweat running down us, holding on for dear life. And we hear this noise behind us. And we're like, what on earth in the middle of all these, these motors and engines is that noise? And to our left, we look out, and a man is riding up bareback on a donkey next to us with a load on the back of the donkey bigger than him and the donkey. And this man was toothless and the biggest smile on his face and his eyes were crinkled with joy and he held out his hand and as he went by we all just we just smiled and laughed with him and reached out to shake his hand as he went by with great joy and it was so good and i keep hearing those words that we kept saying in that scripture that we just read and it, it becomes like a drumbeat for me it's a heart syncopation, a pulse tone for my life. I keep hearing it over and over again. And it is good if you have eyes to see it. And I wonder, was there a moment in this past week for you, a moment when you felt a gasp of amazement? Or the coziness of just a warm peace? Was there a moment when maybe you had the joy of unexpected delight, smiling ear to ear, or maybe a belly laugh or that sly grin with the person next to you? Or maybe it was just the comforting whisper of normal. Any of that for you? If you remember something, keep it, hang on to it and cherish it and put it in the wallet of your heart so that when times get rough, and they will, you can pull that out and you can remember it's always yours. It belongs to you. It's a gift that keeps on giving. So that would be the end of the sermon were it not for uncertainties. And, and if we didn't have to push to understand, and there was no sticky, messy thread to sort out if there were not the other things that we encounter in life, the confusing things, the heart-stopping things that are dreadful, other trails that are not so peaceful, so comforting, so pleasant or lovely. And when those things interrupt our day, when, when those things surround us and shake us to the core, we might find ourselves confronted with some questions. Do we believe that God is good? 
Can we count on the goodness of God's creation? Can we trust that when God declared it is good, that no power on heaven and earth, even us, can undermine or negate that truth? Now, let me tell you, volumes have been written about how to hold these two things in tension. But we've only got two hours. (laughs) Just kidding. But volumes have been written about how to hold that tension, that good and that bad. And, and of course, some will say, well, it's obvious what happened. We messed it up. We came along and we grew up and we we decided that we, we had a desire that we wanted more and we messed it all up. But there's something inside of me that says, but, but God declared that it was good. God declared that it was good at the core of creation. And then there are other religious voices and oftentimes our own voices that cope with this tension by declaring, well, I'm not really of this world. I don't belong in this world. I belong somewhere else. I can remember being a hospital chaplain and waiting for the family to come of a young man who had committed suicide. And they were, I was waiting for them because when they came, that's when we had to tell them. And they came with their pastor. And their pastor, when they got the news, you can imagine how devastated they were. And their pastor said, oh, no, 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 no. You don't have to be upset. You don't have to grieve. He's, he's not of this world anyway. He belongs someplace else. And was that the thing to say in that moment? But it's the tension that we hold of how to make sense of all of this stuff. The world is not where we belong. It's not our home. We're above and beyond all of its mechanisms. And we can divorce ourselves from any affiliation, any pain. We just say we're not from this place. Or worse yet, that the world that God created, that God said this is good, this is good, this is very good, that this world is evil. Even though on your worst day, imagine this, on your worst day, God in this world is ready to deliver a sunset and, and, and a sunrise that will make your heart stop in its beauty. Ready to deliver the sound of birds or, or maybe that nuzzling of that four-legged friend that you have in your home. The smell of coffee and bacon that God is ready to deliver a roof and a bed and a friend on your worst day. And even as though our whole faith rests on the idea that all of creation, including us, has been redeemed through Christ, we might feel ready to to give up on the whole divine enterprise as though God made some terrible cosmic mistake of all time when we came packaged with free will. So what's the scoop? Are we supposed to love the world because it's good or hate the world because it's evil? Well, as you know, it's never either or. The world is not black and white. And I have to tell you that when that question, when I'm confronted with this question, the scripture that keeps ringing in my ears, that scripture that many of you learned when you were in kindergarten or first grade, that I learned later on in life, 
that scripture just keeps pouring over me. And that scripture says, for God so loved the world. For God so loved the world still that God would come to earth to walk among us so that we could be in eternity with God. And it makes me think that the question is better put, not do we belong here or do we belong there? But maybe the better question is, can we love as God loves and then join God in the work of reconciliation and redemption, of aligning, of bringing us back into an alignment with God and with all that's right? Do we dive headlong into life and, and work towards enriching and bettering and transforming and loving and grieving in the best possible way and forgiving and, and embracing the whole horrible beauty, the whole horrible, beautiful mess of being a human being? Do we just embrace it or do we throw up our hands and declare, not me, not mine, I'm headed out of here anyway? That doesn't seem like a very good choice. But Jesus uses this quandary to direct and to illuminate our path. He lifts the question of our belonging, uh, of the longitude and the latitude of our hope with this possibility that our relationship with the world is something that's much bigger and much different than our opinions about the state of the world. And that it's not a question of do we or do we not belong here or there. Because after all, Paul declares in Romans 14.8, whether we live or die, we belong to God no matter where we are. And that, friends, is very good. This isn't a question about circumstances and experiences or, or physicality. This is a matter of following Jesus. And, and what happens? What happens when our lenses are switched out for a holy view of life? What happens? Jesus doesn't respond to our confusion or our worry or our fears about the world by saying, withdraw from your involvement in the world and live a quiet unaware, disengaged life, removed from the struggles of the world. Jesus doesn't say, put on a happy face and deny the heartbreak and neglect our God-given relationship with all of creation, including our neighbor. No, Jesus doesn't say that. Jesus' response is to ask us to shift our point of gravity, to relocate the center of our attention and to transform our priorities. All in the same way that he scolded Peter when Peter started sinking out on the sea. You remember, Jesus was walking towards him on the water. Peter got out of the boat and he started walking towards him and he looked down and he started sinking. And Jesus said, stop looking down, Peter, look at me. Keep your eyes on me. And Jesus, and Jesus said, Keep your eyes on me, and Peter walked on water. Jesus wants us to move, listen, from the many things, the many things that pull us, that, that, that target us, that assail us, wants us to move from the many things to the one necessary thing, 
to trust God with our lives and to put God in the center of our lives. And it's important for us to realize that Jesus in no way requires us to leave our many-faceted world. Rather, he wants us to live in it, but firmly rooted in the center of all things. So, so Jesus doesn't talk about a change of activities, a change in context. Jesus doesn't even talk about a change of pace. Jesus talks about a change of heart. This change of heart makes everything different. Even while everything appears to look exactly the same. And this is the meaning of that scripture when it says, seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will follow. Set your hearts on God's kingdom first and all of these other things will be given to you as well. What counts is where the heart is. Jesus asks us to move our hearts to the center where all the other things fall into place. What is this center? Jesus calls it the kingdom. Not a place, but a way of being. Jesus' words are an urgent call to, to make the life of God's spirit our priority. A heart set on God's kingdom is a heart set on the spiritual life. And only when we recognize the radical purpose of Jesus' ministry among us are we able to understand the meaning of the spiritual life. You see, everything that belongs to Jesus has been given for us to receive. All that Jesus does, we may also do. Jesus does not withhold anything from us. I'm not the one saying that. Jesus is the one saying that in John 14 and 15 when he says, I have made known to you everything I have learned from my Father. Whoever believes in me will perform the same works as I do myself. Jesus wants us to be where he is, wherever he is. Wherever he goes, Jesus wants us to be with him there. He became like us so that we could become like him. This radical transformation of our lives is not on your shoulders to bear by yourself. It's not like a diet where its willpower will get you there. Jesus understands us much better than that. We just can't do it on our own. And we have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that occupied Jesus, the same Spirit that moved over the waters of creation, we have been given the Holy Spirit. Jesus sends the Spirit so we can be led to the full truth of the divine life, of the kingdom life. And, and truth, when we talk about truth, we're not talking about a concept. We're not talking about an idea. We're not talking about a doctrine. When we talk about truth, we are talking about a true relationship. Have you ever thought about that? That truth is actually a relationship? To be led into the truth is to be led into the same relationship that Jesus had with his father. 
The spiritual life is certainly a life in which we are lifted up to become participants of a divine life. But to be lifted up to this divine life of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit does not mean in any way, shape, or form that we will be taken out of the world. On the contrary, the irony of it all, on the contrary, it's those who have entered into this spiritual relationship with God, the ones who have, in the church, who have stepped up into the center where God dwells, are those who are, are sent out into the world to continue and to fulfill the work that Jesus began. The spiritual life does not remove us from the world, but it leads us deeper into it. Life in the spirit of Jesus is therefore a life in which Jesus coming into the world, his death and his resurrection is lived out by those who have entered into the same obedient relationship to the father which marked Jesus' life and it is good. So we come full circle being in the world, but not being of the world. And the scripture, that particular scripture summarizes very well the way Jesus speaks of the spiritual life. Do not be conformed, Paul says, to this world. It's a life in which we are totally transformed by the spirit of love, transformed, changed by the spirit of love. It's our transformation by that spirit here and now in this place where we exist yet is a life in which everything seems to appear the same. So to live a spiritual life doesn't mean necessarily that we must leave our families or give up our jobs or change our way of working. It doesn't mean that we have to withdraw from social or political activities or lose interest in literature and art or spend long hours in prayer and silence, although some of these changes are going to be a natural outcome, a natural flowing out of the spiritual life. And for some, radical decisions about the way you're living have to be made. That's true. But the spiritual life can be lived in as many ways as there are people. To be shaped so that, so that as Jesus says earlier in John, you know, come to me. I'm not going to give you anything that's ill-fitting. The yoke is, is easy and light. And Jesus carries the burden for us. It's nothing ill-fitting. It fits. What is new, though? What is new is that we have moved from the many things to the one thing. Your scattered life, all the things that pull you here and there, to the one thing, the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. What is new is that we are set free from the compulsions of this age, another word for a world and have set our hearts on the only necessary thing, God in the center. Keep your eyes on me, God says. What is new is that we no longer experience the many things, all the events, all the people, all of the, the things and the news and everything that pulls us apart day by day. 
Because we're living out of the center, we no longer experience them as endless causes for worry or dread. That's a gift. And we can begin to experience all of those things as a rich variety of ways in which God makes God's presence known to us because we can begin to experience a sense of belonging, a sense of peace. We can experience intimacy, creativity. We experience grief, good grief, healing grief. We experience resilience when we can come back from the tragedy and the suffering and the loss. And we experience grace where we experience that forgiveness and forgiving. And it is good. Living a spiritual life, you know, requires a change of heart. It requires a conversion. And such a conversion, it can happen in a, in a moment and in a very dramatic way. Or it can happen for most people. It, it's a place through a long, quiet process of transformation. But whether it takes you suddenly or whether it takes you a lifetime, it always involves an inner experience of oneness, a reintegration of coming back together where all of those pieces and parts of you that are flung out to the far, the far wings of dawn are pulled back so you are one person whole in the center of all things, which is in the center of God. The story in which our individual stories come together and it's bigger than us. We are all in this together and our lives revolve around God because God is in us and around us and God is the center and heart of all things. And we realize that we live in that center and that from there all that is and all that takes place in our lives can be seen and understood as part of the mystery of our life in God. And with God's help, with the spirit that abides within us, when we are looking at life from this point of gravity, when we have reoriented our view, when we have relocated the center of our attention and transformed our priorities to that of one living in the heart of God, then it is possible, friends, it is possible that our conflicts and our pain and our tasks and our promises and our family and our friends and our activities and our projects and our hopes and our aspirations and all those things that make us not sleep at night, all of those things no longer appear to us as a fatiguing variety of things in which we can barely keep it together. But when we are centered in Christ, when we have our hearts set on seeking first that kingdom of God, we will come to see and understand better how we are held in the palm of God's hand. And chances are we can also better understand what we truly need, what we truly need for our physical and mental well-being. And we can come to experience the intimate connections, the divine fibers that weave our needs into this created world with our spiritual world so that here and now, here and there, here and after, all disappear into just being.
And when we are able to find that place with God's help and the guidance of the Holy Spirit, you might find yourself resting in the shade of God's mercy. And as you're resting in the shade of God's mercy, you might find yourself sighing a deep sigh and saying, it is very good. And in that moment, you remember that all that we are is because of who Jesus is. And Jesus came to us on, an, on a regular person in a regular moment at a regular time. And in the poorest of circumstances, came to us and lived a life and a ministry that said it would be our ministry and that we would fulfill it. And we come and we meet together in worship and we remember who Jesus is, what Jesus did, who Jesus continues to be. And we will come from east and west and north and south and we will sit at table in the kingdom of God together. And we will feast at the Lord's table. Friends, on the night of his betrayal, Jesus took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Whenever you eat this, remember me. And in the same way, he took the cup and he said, this is no longer the cup of suffering. This is now the cup of the new covenant. My blood poured out for you for the remission of your sins. Friends, every time we eat this bread and we drink this cup, we proclaim the saving grace of a risen savior until he comes again. And he will. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. Will those who are serving please come forward?
for your goodwill for us. We thank you that you have seen fit to give us a companion of your spirit that abides with us at all times so that we can not only be in you, but you be in us. We thank you that you gave us your son, Jesus, and that you gave us your creation. And God, we know that you will equip us with every good thing that we might bring glory and honor to all things. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. if we can go from this place and be more curious than judgmental, if we can go from this place and be more surprised than nervous, if we can go from this place from a center and look at the world and say it is good and be good and bring good, then we will be following in the footsteps of Jesus. So let's go and be the church in the world, the body of Christ. And may the love of God and the mercy and peace of Jesus Christ and the intimate fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and always. All of God's people said together, Amen. Amen.